Shabbat Shalom, everyone. Our synagogue is hosting three different trips to Israel. One in August, one in October, and one in December. And in the course of doing some of the recruitment for those trips, someone asked me a question this week that I actually don't get asked very often. And the question was, Rabbi, you keep going to all these places, Masada, Yad Vashem, the Kotel, going to archaeological digs and Beit Guvrin, rafting down the Kinera, down the Jordan, boat rides on the Kinneret. You keep doing it year after year, all these different times, these different groups. Don't you get bored? Don't you get bored of doing these things? And very few people have ever asked me that question before. But my answer immediately was no. I actually find it some of the most rewarding times in my entire rabbinate. And when Dory joins me for so many of these trips, when we get back to the hotel room at night and we have pillow talk about all the experiences that we had, we often share the same exuberance. And the exuberance comes, frankly, from seeing all of you, whether it's your first time or your 51st time going to Israel, and seeing you connect with your children and sometimes your grandchildren, and seeing you get infected positively with everything Israel has to offer, its beauty, its splendor, its aromas, its tastes, and even its challenges. And watching you get infected and seeing that infection really drive you to make a difference in the world and to be advocates for Israel is the greatest gift any rabbi could ever ask for. And for me, it's a source of inspiration and rejuvenation. Never has it offered me an instant of boredom or monotony. I share that story with you because on one of our family trips about four years ago, our group took a walking tour. And on our walking tour, we stopped at the time at what was the tent where Noam and Aviva Shalit were holding vigil for their son Gilad. And so many people from our group stopped there. And at that time, I watched Sydney Lash and her family as they learned the story of Gilad Shalit, who was being held captive. And Sydney and her family were regulars here on Shabbat. They came often, and they knew that never a Shabbat passed that we didn't offer a tefillah in front of the Torah for Gilad's recovery and return to his family and friends. And they knew that in all of our weekly messages, he was in our mind. And I saw her transform in this one moment in that tent before her bat mitzvah into an advocate. And Sydney chose, and she's going to share this with you in a moment, of how she could make a difference as a young woman and leader in our community. And when I saw that advocacy in her, and I saw it in other people also, like in Henry and Isabel Ferber, who were on the trip, and other members of the trip, and other members of our community, I realized what it is to be infected by Israel, to see its beauty, its splendor, and also its challenges, and to be reminded of what our role is in strengthening Israel and making sure we all look out for each other. That when one Jew is hurt, we all feel pain. When one Jew bleeds, we all have a responsibility to bandage that wound. That is what our role is, to make the world a better and a stronger place. So in this Shabbat, while we have the incredible honor of learning and hearing the story from our teacher this Shabbat, Noam Shalit, I have asked Sidney Lash, who will come forward and make the formal introduction of Noam Shalit today. 
Because for me, it's been inspirational and transformational to watch Sydney and her maturation and to watch her advocacy for Gilad. She was one of the first people I reached out to on that day when we heard the news that Gilad would be returned home. And as soon as I got pictures that came in that morning around 5.30 a.m., I forwarded them to the Lash family and we celebrated together. That is the ethic in which we share and that is the inspiration for all of us. So without further ado, it is my distinct honor to invite forward Sydney Lash, who will introduce our speaker for today. Thank you, Rabbi Kirshner. Shabbat Shalom. In August of 2010, I had the most unforgettable experience on a B'nai Mitzvah trip to Israel with 71 congregants of our temple. One of the most memorable moments of the trip was during a walking tour with Rabbi Kirshner in Jerusalem. It was then I met Noam Shalit and his wife Aviva, the parents of Gilad Shalit, as they camped out in protest in front of the Prime Minister's residence. They were there to highlight the plight of their son, who was captured by Hamas terrorists on June 25, 2006. I was in a state of shock. Being only 12 at the time, I didn't understand and could not believe that a person could be held for years and not be allowed to see his or her family or the light of day. This moment had a profound impact on me. Inspired by meeting the Shalits, I undertook a mitzvah project where I collected signatures for a petition to raise awareness of Gilad's plight. Along with this petition, I wrote letters to President Obama, Benjamin Netanyahu, the government of France, as Gilad is a joint Israeli-French citizen, and the International Committee of the Red Cross. I was very excited when I received a response from the office of Benjamin Netanyahu. Let me read this letter to you. Dear Sydney, on behalf of Prime Minister Benjamin Netanyahu, we acknowledge receipt of your letter dated February 27, 2011, and the signatures which you enclosed. The government and State of Israel remain committed to bringing Gilad Shalit home safe and sound, and many efforts are being made both in overt and covert channels to accomplish this goal. We appreciate your interest in this important matter. I was so excited to get this letter and felt I was really making a difference and that people were listening. About eight months later, in October of 2011, my parents told me that Gilad was being released. Maybe not as much as the Shalits, but the immense amount of happiness I was feeling cannot be described. This feeling of happiness was compounded when I saw him on TV walking free with his family for the first time. We are so fortunate to have Noam Shalit with us here today. Born in Haifa, Israel in 1954, Noam was raised in Kiryat Atah. Noam and his wife Aviva raised their three children, Yoel, aged 30, Gilad, 27, and Hadass, 23, in Mitzvah Pila in the Western Galilee, where Gilad returned after his release. Noam completed his military service as a major after five years as a paratrooper and regular IDF service, followed by 29 years of reserve duty. He holds a Bachelor of Science degree in Industrial and Management Engineering and a Diploma in Systems Analysis from the Technion Israel Institute of Technology. After working as an industrial engineer at companies in the Galilee for 12 years, in 1994, Noam joined Iskar's marketing and logistics department, where he remained on staff until 2010. In 2005, Iskar was purchased by the Berkshire Hathaway Group, owned by Warren Buffett. Noam led a worldwide group campaign to win international support and Israeli public approval to bring Gilad home. Noam will talk about the commitment of the IDF and the Israeli government to his soldiers and its responsibility to bring every soldier back to his or her family. He provides an inside look at the personal struggle that he and his family went through and the hardships and challenges that every Israeli family faces when they send their sons and daughters to war. I feel incredibly honored to introduce Noam Shalit.
Shabbat Shalom, sisters and brothers. Thank you, Sydney, for your warm introduction. Most importantly, I want to, th to thank you on behalf of my family to, for all uh, your efforts to make sure that the world did not, did not forget uh, my son. <clears throat> to see someone so young involved in raising her voice and advocating for Gilad's release is heartwarming. To every parent, to every parent, you are true example of Kol Israel Aravim Every Jew is responsible for each other. Yishar Koach. Yishar Koach, Sydney. To Rabbi Kirchner, I remember you and your family well from your visits to our tent in Jerusalem. Hundreds of American Jews and others came to support us that summer of 2011. You came almost every day. I want you to know that to know how much your support, your chizuk, meant to us during those difficult and painful years before Gilead came home. Whether it was bringing a large delegation to our protesting, placing Gilad's photographs in the lobby of your synagogue, or simply saying prayers during the 1,941 days that my son was in the hands of a cruel enemy, you showed us that we were not alone. For that, I am deeply grateful. Yishar Koach, Rabbi Kirchner. Gilad was a 19-year-old corporal in the IDF when he was abducted by Hamas terrorists. He was stationed inside a tank in Kerem Shalom border, cross, uh, uh, border crossing with Gaza. When his tank came under attack, the terrorists had dug an underground tunnel and came up on the Israeli side of the border. They launched anti-tank rockets, killing two crew members and wounding Gilad. They took uh, Gilad uh, and, disapp and disappeared in, into Gaza, and the operation took just six minutes. The day that changed our lives began at an ordinary Sunday on June, in uh, June 2006. I was at work when I heard the news of a serious incident with casualties <coughs> at the Kerem Shalom. <clears throat> I feel sure that this didn't involve us directly. As far as I knew, Gilad was stationed in, on a different point of the border, but uh, in, a, in a different section of the border with Gaza. But just after breakfast, however, I was called into the president's office. <clears throat> there were the army representatives who had come to, to uh, bring me the news. Your son is abducted. Your son is missing, they told me. It seems he has been abducted to Gaza. This was not the first time I, I had faced the army representatives. Uh, 30, 33 years earlier, during the Yom Kippur War, they had come to inform us that my brother, my twin brother, Yoel, was, had been killed in, the action, in action in the Golan Hyatts. Now it was about Gilad. What goes through a parent's mind during these difficult days? Is he still alive? How they are treating him? Does he know what we are doing to secure his release? Despite our, all our efforts, will we ever see him again alive? At first, we had no idea if Gilad was alive. Two of his crew members in the, in the tank had been killed. It would take more than two months before uh, we would receive a letter written in Gilad's handwriting, 
that confirmed he had survived the attack. Years later, we would get a recording and then a video which showed that he was very pale and very thin, but in relatively good health. During the, all the years of his captivity, Hamas refused to, refused to allow visits from the International Red Cross. Even though Palestinian prisoners in Israeli jails received visits from uh, family, lawyers, medical care, even the chance to get an academic degree. In contrast, in contrast, my son lived in a total isolation, seeing only his guards and not one day of sunlight in five years, more than five years. In the beginning, we put our face in the Israeli government to negotiate Gilad's release. It became clear early on, however, that newly, newly elected Prime Minister Ehud Olmert was not willing to pay uh, the heavy price to bring Gilad home. Even, uh, even Prime Minister Netanyahu, who succeeded Olmert in 2009, was having a hard time agreeing to release over 1,000 Palestinian prisoners, failing to create any other alternative or to set any pressure on uh, the Hamas leaders. Negotiations were held for many years, first through the Egyptians, then the Germans. In 2007, there was something of a breakthrough. It was agreed that Gilad will be released for 1,000 Palestinian prisoners. 450 of them will be named by the Hamas. The idea to allow Hamas to dictate the names of the prisoners many of them with blood on their hands, turned out to be a strategic mistake. For when, <clears throat> when Prime Minister Olmert saw those names, he and the Shin Bet refused to release the prisoners, sealing Gilad's fate for many more years. Even Netanyahu was a, was a more seasoned politician, sympathetic to our cause, would not be ready for a long time to pay the price that he had to pay for bringing Gilad home, to, to bring Gilad home. <clears throat> in 2009, in 2010, actually, after more than, uh, after four years in captivity, I decided we could not wait any longer. It was time for us to create a movement to bring the country behind us. <clears throat> and so, uh, my family and I organized a march from our home in the Western Galilee to Jerusalem. <clears throat> Over the course of 11 days, tens of thousands of Israelis walked with us. People from all walks of life joined our movement, saying to the Prime Minister that four years in, in captivity <coughs> was enough. It was time to bring Gilad home. Polls showed that more than 75% of the Israeli public supported the idea of the, of, uh, the prisoner release to exchange Gilad for more than 1,000 Palestinian prisoners. Even many who had committed terrible crimes against the Jewish people, the Israeli and the Jewish people. <clears throat> At the end on, of the march, we set up the protest tent across the Prime Minister's house. I vowed that I would not go home without Gilad, without our son. During that year, in the heat of the summer and cold bitter winter of Jerusalem, we stayed there. Hundreds of people visited us from President Shimon Peres to other dignitaries, to hundreds of American and Jewish tourists and others showing their support. <clears throat> it would take one full year, but finally it's 
eve of Sukkot 2011, I received a text message from the Israeli negotiator at 4 a.m. in the morning that a deal had been closed with Hamas in Cairo, which the Israeli government finally approved. In the end, Prime Minister Netanyahu made a difficult decision to release more than 1,000 Palestinian prisoners for one Israeli soldier. On that day, October 18, 2011, my son Gilad was reborn. On the day after he came home, the first thing, the first thing he did was to take his bicycle and ride outside and feel the, the sun and the air on his face, something he had not seen for or felt in five years. What helped him survive during those difficult days was his love of, of sports and basketball. Sometimes he, had, he would roll up his socks into a ball and throw it into the garbage can as a basketball. His captors occasionally allowed him to watch soccer games in, on the Arabic TV channels. <clears throat> when he came home, he, fulfilled, he even fulfilled his dream of seeing the NBA finals in Miami. Uh, today, Gilad is studying economics at the IDC in Herzliya. He has a girlfriend, he is recognized wherever he goes, and he is grateful for the support and good wishes of his fellow Israelis. He knows his life will never be the same, but he is reclaiming the life he lost for five years when he lived in a dark basement in the heart of Gaza. There are some people who feel that the price that Israel paid was too high, that Gilad will not be the last kidnapped soldier, that the terrorists will return to terrorism. Although the year after he came, 2012, uh, the year after he came home, 2012, was the quietest year yet ever, according to the Shin Bet report. Like all Israeli, Israelis, I, I too felt the pain of watching convinced uh, convicted murderer released, many who had committed terrible crimes against Israelis. But as a father, my mission was to fight for my son's life, to convince the government that by bringing one soldier home, you strengthen your commitment to all soldiers in the field, that your country will never give up on you. I believe that we accomplished that. Finally, to all of you who were with us during this long and difficult journey, thank you. Thank you for supporting us, for never forgetting us, and for helping us, and for helping to bring Elad, our son, home. Shabbat Shalom. <coughs> Um, I want to say on behalf of all of us, Todaraba, you've given us many lessons. You've given us the lesson that we all feel in our heart, but you demonstrated of a love that parents have for a child. And most importantly, what I wanted to share with you, which I think you know, is that Gilad is your son with Aviva, but he's really all of our brother. And we all love him. I'm going to share a very brief story with you that I share often when we're on soldier bases in Israel. It's a story of one of my teachers and mentors, Arnold Turetsky, of blessed memory, who was on the tarmac on a moment when an El Al plane filled with Russian Jews who were making Aliyah were arriving in Eretz Yisrael. 
And he was lucky to be there to be greeting them. And they were coming literally with suitcases filled with their materials and coming from this cold Russian environment to a desert. And in those days, before the new airport was built, they used to bring staircases on trucks up to the 747, one in the front and one in the back, and you would deplane onto buses. And he saw from a distance that there was one boy who came off the back of an airplane who was clearly separated from his family. He was maybe five or six years young. He was wearing a very thick cable knit sweater. He had a Slavic looking face and he was holding a violin case in his hand and he was scared out of his mind because he looked behind him and all around and he was the only one on the staircase. His parents had probably gone off the front of the plane while he was on the back. And Turetsky, this rabbi, saw it from a distance. And he ran up the staircase, broke through a barricade, ran up the staircase, and he grabbed this little boy, and Rabbi Turetsky started crying. And he picked up this little boy, and he started kissing on his face and petting his putum. And he said to him, I love you. I don't even know your name, but I love you. That's the kind of love that all of us had for Gilad. We knew his name and we knew his face, but we didn't know him as a person. But through your plight, we did. And that love that we have continues today. And I ask you for this bracha that you share with Gilad that we celebrate him now too. And while he is free and we thank God every day for that freedom, we continue to have the blessing of knowing that he wasn't only our brother in captivity, he's our brother still today. And we all send our love to him and our thanks to you and Aviva for modeling for us how we make a difference in the world. May we be blessed to celebrate many more happy things and your family.